Come, O Lord, and in your love and mercy touch our hearts. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you very much for your welcome. A particular thanks to those who've travelled some distance to get here and are putting themselves through the ordeal of staying in a travel lodge tonight, or the equivalent. And those from Bradford, or Exeter, or Coventry, or elsewhere, who have uh, travelled today and are going back again tonight. Hilary and I hugely appreciate the presence, support and encouragement of those we know around us tonight. Thank you so very much. And thank you too for those who've welcomed us from London, those of you who live here. Whether you see this cathedral as your place or somewhere you only come occasionally. And thank you too to members of the community of St Paul's who've been so helpful and encouraging. And if I've not done so yet, I look forward to meeting you and living and working alongside you here. What is this event about? It's important for the cathedral and its ongoing story. Another chapter unfolds, but it's a very minor chapter in the history of the unfolding of the kingdom of God. And the important thing that we do this evening is not here and now, but how it changes us and what we will do as a result of it together. I've learnt over the years to start my first sermon in a place with two important statements. The first is, when I come and see you, I don't drink coffee, and I take my tea very weak without milk or sugar. Someone sent me a note about a dean who was a proper dean, proper dean, uh, who always had a meeting about services with a bottle of Bollinger on the table. And if you haven't got tea, then be assured that champagne is an absolutely fabulous substitute. <laughs> the other thing I need to ask you is that we might live in the truth with kindness. I will make mistakes. I will get things wrong. We all do. And your expectations of me will be too high. Please tell me when I get it wrong. We have to help each other take responsibility for what we do, because that's how we learn and grow. But let's do it with kindness. When something goes wrong, there's no point in blaming others. Instead, we need to keep asking the question, what have we learnt for next time? How will it be different? Blaming others is for small-minded people, and Christians are called to be generous and kind. The question is not, am I right and you wrong? The question is, do I live with the love of Jesus Christ in my heart and in my life? Do I treat others with the love with which I hope God treats me? As St. John says, whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. Or as St. Paul put it, without love, 
Anything and everything we do is worth nothing. This is not love which is soppy and sentimental, pink and fluffy and self-indulgent. This is not the kind of love which is a myth which chases after romantic relationships and destroys marriages and damages the lives of children and undermines society. Christian love is what we see in the life of Jesus Christ, in his life and death and resurrection. Love which chooses to suffer for the sake of those who hate you. Love which loves the unlovable and so changes the world. Twice in the last year I've had experience of being on the receiving end of people trying to co-opt me into their view of the world. Both are areas of heated controversy, Israel and homosexuality. Heated because they're both about identity and whether people have a right to exist. And they touch on deep-seated feelings and experiences of abuse and violence and unreconciled differences. But both can also be examples of how, as human beings, we have a terrible tendency to put the world into the two camps of them and us. We say or think that if you don't agree with me, if you're wrong, you're not on my side and you must be one of them. Shades of grey are squeezed out in a black and white world reduced to headlines and sound bites. It's all very digital. Digital technology reduces everything to on or off, naught or one, yes or no. Analog music, analog TV have gone, and the subtlety of analogy in public discourse is being pushed out and replaced by us or them but we need to stop seeing the world in black and white and see the colours of God in other people instead. For in Christ there is no them and us. There is only us. God is on everyone's side and God is on no one's side. God's love for us and them doesn't depend on us being good or nice or deserving. It depends on God being loving. And God's love, unlike ours, is relentless. As the seventh century writer Isaac of Nineveh put it, as is a grain of sand weighed against a large amount of gold, so in God is the demand for just judgment weighed against his compassion as a handful of sand thrown into the boundless ocean, so are our human sins in comparison with God's providence and mercy. As a copious spring of water cannot be stopped up by a handful of dust, so the Creator's compassion cannot be conquered by the wickedness of his creatures. That's why in Christ there is no them and us, only us trembling 
before the overwhelming love of God. There's no more wonderful way to live in this world than to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, to follow in his way in joy and hope and love, continually challenged to change and grow, always called to be open for Jesus to overturn the tables of the prejudices which we erect in the places of his prayer. The Bible tells us that God's love is inclusive. Everyone is loved wholeheartedly by God without exception. It's the original equalities policy. All of us are equal before God's love. It doesn't matter whether you're a priest or a dean or a bishop, an insider or an outsider, a conservative or an open evangelical, or in the ordinariate, or identify yourself exclusively as inclusive. It doesn't matter whether you're a musician or a member of the Mother's Union, a journalist or a hoodie, gay or straight or neither, a failure in marriage or a successful single, in an occupied tent or in a banker's office, a person with strong religious faith or an atheist or an agnostic, whoever, whatever you are, wherever we start from, Jesus Christ will start with us. Jesus Christ loves us to the uttermost, died to set us free and was raised from death to transform our lives and our lives together. God is on everyone's side and no one's side. For the love of God for us is so great, says Jesus and the prophets, that God will not rest until we are remade into the image of Jesus Christ until we become as loving as God is in himself, as profligate and careless with our love, as is the God who loves and longs for all. For God's love is a consuming fire, burning up our hatreds and our darkness, the things we are ashamed of, the ways that we've hurt others and ignored God and goodness and truth and never even noticed. God will not rest content until we know that we are loved and learn to love others too. We are called to be a church of love and truth, inclusive and challenging. Whatever your adjective, what are you? Liberal, conservative, charismatic, traditionalist, orthodox, unbelieving, none of the above, all of the above, very confused? Whatever your adjectives, God is onto your case and mine. We can't stop God loving us however hard we try. 
As the poet Francis Thompson writes of the God he calls the Hound of Heaven, still with unhurrying chase and unperturbed pace, deliberate speed, majestic instancy, came on the following feet. God's love will hunt us down and there is nowhere to hide. For God will keep challenging us whenever we think we've got it right. Whenever we think that, unlike them, we have the truth, rather than trusting that the truth may hold us. So come, sisters and brothers, whatever our religious or irreligious tribe, come to Jesus Christ and find the inclusive and challenging love of God. For if our faith does not make us uncomfortable and change us, if we blame others rather than love them, if we refuse to tolerate the intolerant, if we don't love those who are different from us, really love them and seek to be their friend, if we still persist in dividing the world into them and us, then hear and believe the words of Jesus, the words written about him by a friend of his who knew him best, and be changed. Beloved, since God loved us so much, so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made perfect in us. Ubi caritas, where love is, that's where God is.